what I did was that person sent back that markup like you're talking about, and I just sent their money back, and that was it. And I was just like, nope. <laughs> Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Dave Allen. Dave is a street magician, copywriter. He's been on the show before, and you can check out those past episodes. We talked about Donald Trump, sort of. Uh, and, and mindset, and today we're going to be talking about uh, how to find great clients and avoid the uh, shitty ones, and you know what the difference is, because not all clients are equal, are they, Dave? They are certainly not all equal, and uh, you know, I sort of, uh, when I got into copywriting, of course, people heard the story a couple episodes ago about Gary Halbert and sort of how I got into copywriting, but one of the first things I learned when I started investigating Gary Halbert uh, more in-depthly, and I learned who he was was I heard this mantra of uh, clients suck. And uh, he even wore a hat or a shirt or something to to many seminars perhaps because I haven't seen them all with that emblazoned uh, on the hat or the t-shirt. So that was the first time I sort of heard stuff like that. But to be honest, in all, in all the uh, different jobs I've had over the years, and since I started working on I think it was like maybe 17, then there was definitely a some very broad strokes between the people you never wanted to deal with again and the people you didn't mind dealing with almost every day. And I think that's some things we can talk about here today as to how to how to ward off some of those other people and how to embrace those people who are awesome and we want to do work with uh, for a long time. All right, it's an interesting point actually because I you know I've been you know the last well, I've been doing this for four or five years now and yeah some clients are great they pay perfectly on time they don't care they're not really fussed about the total amount they just really want to work with you. Part of this. Obviously, you know, the, the caveat here is that you need to be a good copywriter. If, if your copy sucks, it's going to be hard to get the really good clients. So, like, let's, let's assume that that's, that's the sort of, you know, you've got, you, you can write good copy, then you're in a position where you, lots of different businesses could get value. So, therefore, you're, you know, you've got lots of people who are going to want to work with you if you, you know, you, you market yourself properly. Right. So, so, yeah, so what's the difference? What's a, you know, let's look at what, what's a bad client? Let's start with that first. Well, for me, in my experience, a bad client is someone that, they tend to eat up a ton of your time. They don't like to pay. They certainly don't like to pay on time or pay ahead of time. That's for sure. And it, it almost and it's scary how close it is because one of the first things I read when I was really seriously like looking into business and so forth was the four hour work week. That's sort of where I was at my life when I was uh, already in my thirties and uh, looking you know, to start businesses. Uh, and in there, he talked about that story about how he had to fire. You know, a large percentage of his customers. They weren't, you know, he wasn't freelancer or anything. He was selling supplements, but he fired those people anyways. Uh, Tim Ferriss, this being, of course, because he, they ate up, you know, only these uh, people ate up so much of his time with useless crap, wasting his time, and they didn't contribute significantly enough to the bottom line that he got rid of them. So when you're a freelancer, not the very beginning, it's often the case that people feel the need to, to just whore themselves out. And in some cases, that, that, you know, I can't, I'm not you. I don't, I didn't like to do that. And I, I sort of skipped that phase. I tried to skip that phase a bit, but it's one of those things where, you know, the people who are serious and who you really want to work with, they're already on a different level. You know, they they have a business, which is another key point because <laughs> you run into people all the time who want to start a business and hire you for copy. I ran into this when I, when I started out 
and they don't really have a business, they don't really know what they're doing or anything about it. And so the copy is not going to work. You know, you could have the best copy in the world and they got no traffic running to it and they have no offer and they got no business. This shouldn't even be a conversation. So uh, you got you, you got to sort of have a, uh, a way to filter these people out who are serious, and and that comes from your personality a lot too because you want to work with certain people that mesh with your personality. Like when John and I uh, started doing these podcasts here a few episodes ago, when we first talked and we had email back and forth, but when we first talked, we kind of just hit it off right away. It was very easy, and we got along, and we had joking and stuff. And it's like sitting down with somebody. I think Tim Ferriss actually called it the beer test or something. <laughs> where, if, where if you felt like you could sit down with that person and have a beer and be okay, you know, f- spending that time with them, that you could be in business with them. And if you couldn't, you couldn't. I think another guy that I sort of looked to for inspiration in that regard was a guy named Derek Sivers. And his sort of uh, format for deciding who he was going to work with was if it was hell yes or it's no. So if he was like super excited and pumped and he thought this was a real awesome thing, then he was in. Anything short of that, he was out. Right. And... Uh, that's a good idea. I mean, that's a pretty good way to do it. What about you, John? I mean, I know you've done this for a long time too now. And how have you sort of weeded through some of these uh, problematic people? I think one thing that took a little while to learn, at least, like at the start, I'd, you know, I think at the start you do have to be a little bit less selective depending on sort of the situation you're in and, and you know, how fast or how good you are at getting clients. But, you know, like you start off, you know, you work with small businesses and things like that. Eventually you realize, though, after working with these different companies that you want to work with companies that are making – at least six figures, like, and I mean, at like, ideally they're doing multiple. They're doing a few hundred thousand dollars, and that's on the like the bottom end, ideally. Because yeah. when you think about like you know an average business, let's say they're doing a hundred thousand dollars a year in sales, which is a really really tiny business in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. You know, if they're in like margins, when you talk about like the the margin after they spend the money, if they're doing physical products, so the e-commerce, you, average margins forty percent, which means they're only making forty grand gross profit on that, and they still have to pay. Things like their ads, their office if they have one, uh, staff if they have any, they've got to pay their own salary. So after all of that, they might have like a grand or two left over to pay you to write an email sequence, which is not much. And then again, no. because the business is so small, you're not really going to ha- like be able to, to you know, help them that much. Whereas right. you know, on the other side of things, you know, I've, a different company that I, I started about a year ago, a different sort of branch of uh, the company was is called Reengager, and, and sort of that sort of aspired to to do email marketing for e-commerce companies that were selling. They started it at two uh, two million dollars or more, just because that that was a, the the sort of the rough range when I figured that um, they'd be able to spend quite a bit on right. mon- monthly email marketing services, and it did work to a point. We actually ended up dropping that. I think it's down at fifty thousand dollars a month right now is the the rough minimum that we use. But right. it's um, yeah, just the larger the company the better of a job you're going to be able to do because if you increase their sales by 10%, whether this is e-commerce or whether this is, you know, a you know, guy selling a weight loss product on, you know, on ClickBank or something, right. whoever it is, the bigger it is, the better your copy does, the better you're going to help them, the, more, the happier they're going to be. So it's sort of – and it means the more you can charge as well. Plus, the bigger businesses, once they, um, you know, they're more like that, they tend – because they're busier and things like that, they do tend to want to just give you the money and, and have a good job done. They don't want to sit around and critique your work. You know, I've, right. Yeah, have you ever had a client when you, you send them stuff in like Google Docs or something and they send it back and it's got 50 comments God. in it on things to change and they're not even a copywriter? Uh-huh. I've had it happen. I think we've all had it happen. And man, you know what? And I'll tell you uh, because this happened to me uh, on more than one occasion, unfortunately. But the, the second time I was – because it happened – when it happened the second time, it hasn't happened since. And basically what I did was that person sent back that markup like you're talking about and I just sent their money back and that was it. 
and I was just like, no. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I, I'm unapologetic, and I think that comes down to how you deal with people, how people take you either seriously or non-seriously. There's so many people, like when businesses come to me, and I try to get them to, to niche down and target specific clientele that are their best customers already, which sometimes, they don't even know that a lot of the times. Uh, who who actually buys? You know, who's this person who walks in the door and actually purchases your stuff? It seems to be like this big mystery to a lot of companies, and this shocks me. But you keep finding that with people; they're not exactly sure who that person is. And the narrower you can get that down to them, where you can specifically target them. So you, you try to find out that information, and they're afraid of getting. You know, no, they're afraid of, of finding those specific people because they're trying to appeal to everyone all the time. And you're not going to sell. Chances are. You're not going to sell whatever it is you're selling. Let's say you're selling a weight loss product. There aren't, you know, eight billion fat people. There are a certain percentage of fat people, and so, and there's a certain percentage of women who are overweight and men who are overweight and people who are over 40 and overweight. You know, and you can go down, 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 and down. Now, so if you're selling to everyone, usually you're selling to nobody. And so the same thing applies to clientele. And they, you don't want to have everybody as a clientele. You want to find those people that you can work with the best. That are like John said, that are serious. You know, like look at the stuff he just talked about with the the figures of these people are putting through their business every month. These are serious people. They're not, you know, uh, they're not messing around. And uh, I learned the hard way a few times uh, when I first started too of, of how to differentiate. But you find that actually in the in any field you get into, you find the exact same thing. So whether it's copywriting, it's street magicians, it's you know street performing, whatever, it's exactly the same. And it's almost like shocking how the same it is because. You can just see that you can do. I just talk to somebody for ten seconds, or I see them not laugh or not laugh at a joke at a street show, and I know those people aren't going to give me any money. I can tell immediately. So it's very important. I know, sort of. There are tactical ways. Uh, like for me, for instance, I don't like to talk to anybody, and this is something I learned from a specific marketer. I don't like to talk to anybody. Like I'll, I'll shoot the breeze with somebody. I, I don't have a problem with that. But if we're talking about their business, I'm getting paid. So, and that's something that I didn't do at the beginning, and I regretted it almost every day that I didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, because I heard that very early on, and I kind of was lingering in the back of my mind. But I was kind of like, again, you have this thing like, well, maybe I haven't paid my dues. I haven't done enough. I shouldn't. Maybe I can't ask for that because I haven't been this long enough, or whatever. And it was horseshit. I could have asked for that stuff up front. And I wouldn't have had to deal with any of those people because the people who won't go that, ex- you know, they don't, they just don't get it. And they're never going to get it. If you have to go that far. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's sort of like the whole, yeah, if, if, if you have to try it too hard, like if you have to try, try to the yeah. point of giving away a bunch of stuff for free, there is, I mean, to be honest, all these, the, the answers to all these things are like, it actually depends. It's really hard yeah. to sort of give someone a, if you do all of these things, you'll be successful. In some cases, people have been very successful doing free work and then using yep. that as a leverage to sort of a leverage point to get paid work. It is a valuable strategy. However, you know, far, probably far more people misuse it and end up in a position where they're doing all this free work and they're not getting anything back. So you have to be very strategic about it. Um, and the other thing that um, that I thought about while you were speaking that is is and this actually is another thing. So what happens is you st- what, 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 sort of how my journey worked is I started off doing stuff for, for really cheap and then gradually just increased my prices. You know, and over time, I'd, you know, I'd meet somebody who's like, man, you need to be charging five grand or 10 grand or 20 grand for stuff because that's how you make real money. And so you know, I'd go and do that and I'd you know, see what's good about it and what's bad. And now like, you know, five, was it four, yeah, like I said, four, four, four or five years down the line, reflecting on it's kind of going like it's not that char- like you could go and sell something like go get paid twenty five thousand dollars for a sales funnel and that sounds like it's a lot better than getting paid five hundred dollars for for a similar type of thing however they both come with different pros and cons 
Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like, let's uh, let's go back with um, let's say someone's paying. I had a friend of mine who runs sort of a search engine uh, agency where they do SEO, okay. they do paid traffic, they do a bunch of stuff like that. And uh, you know, me and him talk about this idea of like, if you're selling something, he's got clients paying five hundred dollars a month for some SEO stuff, and he's had right. them paying five uh, five hundred dollars a month for three years, and they email right. him once every six months because to them, five hundred dollars yeah. is like small enough that it's like, you know, it's not big enough to really worry about as long as like the it seems to be working, we'll just keep paying it. But once you start to get over a thousand bucks a month, that's when you have people going, oh, that was a thousand bucks a month. I wonder if you know. Do we really need this? You know, can we get rid of right. it? You know, maybe we need to talk to them and make sure we're getting our value from it. So this, as you do charge more, you do t- tend to have people who obviously want to get more value for, for their money because it partly because obviously they're paying more, so they need to get more value. But to the point where they're right. going to start to feel like, yeah, five hundred dollars a month is for for a good a good sized business. Five hundred dollars a month is nothing. They'll just keep paying it, uh, yeah. no questions asked. Whereas, yeah, once you get above a thousand bucks a month, that's when it's like, well. Unless we really, really, really need this, we're probably going to get rid of it. And so, if you want to, if you enjoy managing clients and and having, if you want like ten clients paying you, you know, one to two thousand dollars a month, and you like that hustle, do it. Me personally, I don't. Yeah, I didn't like it. I don't. To be honest, I just right. to be completely honest, I just don't like it. I don't like managing a team or, uh, you know, managing right. clients in that way because I think probably because I like having a lot more autonomy and freedom where I can just wake up and do whatever the hell I want and not have any phone calls if I don't want them. But that's me. Some people yep. would rather have the money and would would rather sacrifice some of that freedom for the money because they want to buy more expensive things with the money. So a lot of this depends on what do you want. Yeah, I think it's all in the how you set it up too. You know, because I very you know very early on too, I when I first got into copywriting and learning about internet marketing and marketing and stuff, I, I would try to find as many things to read and watch as I possibly could. And I remember stumbling across a lot of Dan Kennedy stuff because it was just very pertinent at that time. He was hot, like he still is now. But he uh, he had said he, he was very obvious. I think we spoke to this a little bit before. Was he set himself up very specifically? And he's sort of on that far end of things. But I think he does, you know, a lot of things right. And I sort of see how why he did those things. And he's very hard to get a hold of. He's very sort of yeah, I don't know. He's not discourteous, but he's like very blunt, like u- uber blunt. To the point where you kind of don't want to fuck with that guy, you know, hmm. and and as a result, he attains like a level of respect that, and of course, is you know, like we said before when we started this episode, uh, you got to be able to produce the goods, but also the way he handles himself in his in those relationships, you know, you really can't get away with anything with him. He makes it hard to get at him. He charges a lot. He's kind of a recluse and so forth, and he, and people are just kind of very happy that he'll even talk to them. And I'm sure it took him, you know, years to get to that point, but it's a very interesting model to see how he sort of, because you know, one of his famous sort of sayings, is, I think, which you said even last time, was that uh, people are walking around when Bill were looking to plug it in somewhere, hmm. and that's sort of what he, how he thinks about it, you know, is. Uh, you're coming to me. You're the one who wants me to do this stuff for you. And it's not that that person doesn't know anything about it. Whatever it's that they don't want to do it because they think you could do it better or faster or whatever they believe. And so if you set up that, you know, because I know for a fact like he doesn't take all those freaking calls. He takes calls on like one day a week or something like that, you know. So he's not taking calls there six days. You know, so stuff like that. And Tim Ferriss uh, did a bunch of stuff like that where he would only check his email twice a day, you know, twice a day I think it was. There's just various ways you can approach it to sort of uh, not – because I think when people do charge a lot of money, they often want to – because they feel guilty themselves. 
You know, like I don't feel guilty when I charge a lot of money because I just don't care. You know, I know what the stuff could do, and I don't really need. You know, there's lots of stuff I could do for money, so I don't really need it when I was doing street magic and getting into copywriting. I had the street magic to fall back on if I really, ha- you know, was about to go destitute or something. So, because that was bringing in regular money. So I didn't need to take every client that came in the door. And w- being able to walk away from things is a big reason why some of this stuff works. Is because you don't need to take all those jobs. Uh, you can pick and choose uh, more jobs that you find that either excite you, you know, and not just financially, but excite you as a project and stuff, maybe a long-term relationship you can build with this person. Because <laughs> that's another aspect. It's not all necessarily all about money. You might be able to make, you know, customer, uh, lifetime value of a customer. Same thing applies to clients. Uh, you know, you said your buddy's charging 500 a month and it's gone out at infinitum for three years and he has very little uh, maintenance. That's great, you know, because that's regular income coming in. We have to do basically nothing. So you got to look at it, you know, but not just the total... I mean, you have to look at the total picture. You can't just look at the, I'm going to charge X, Y, you know, the terms and everything come into it. How long is this going to be for? And the, and your time, you know, time committed. I think for, for me, the thing I try to keep in my mind is, and I think it is something that Dan Kennedy said, was he said that the people who make the least uh, for hours, right? And the people who are in the middle who are sort of doing good but aren't quite at that next level is they're aware that their time is worth a lot more because they bring value and the people you know and they and they more base their ideology on like well my time is worth a lot more so they're still on a time model but they bring a lot of value and they're aware of it and the people who are at the absolute highest echelon they know that it's not a time thing and it's only about the value and so that's something I've always kept in the back of my mind that, you know, because you, you grow up and you work for an hourly job or something that's like hammered into you from the word go. But if you're doing something like copywriting, which can dramatically, you know, the, the amount you charge can be dramatically outstripped by the, by the sales and revenue and stuff that it produces, you have to get to in your head of how valuable this thing could possibly be when you're talking to a client because you've got to see the potential of what they're going to take of this copy and what, what's going to happen. And what are they going to do with it? What, what could it produce? You know, and so you got to keep that in mind when you're run, charging your fees because I think almost every copywriter I've ever talked to, and uh, John maybe will speak to this in a second, had a had a, had that sort of moment where they charged, let's say, you know, eight or ten thousand dollars for a sales letter or something like that, and the person that they wrote the sales letter for made like a million dollars with that sales letter. You know, I have a friend named uh, Mitch Miller who's a copywriter, and uh, like a year or two ago. You know, wrote he put together a funnel that made, that jumped the guy's business from whatever it was up to a million dollars a month, and said that he the amount he charged was of course a small, extremely small percentage of that, and that's the first thing he thought sort of to himself was like, what man, I should be doing this for myself, you know, <laughs> or something to that effect, and maybe that's something we can get into in the future as like you know when you're a freelance copywriter, of course you're working with a lot of clients, you're looking for clients, but a lot of the best copywriters. If you look at their careers, they go full circle to where they're working for themselves eventually. Right. Uh, so, so that's something to look at for people. You know, a lot of people also, and those same guys also complain that they should have got started doing that at the very beginning, and they didn't. So, you know, it's one of those things to keep in mind as you as you advance your freelance career. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say don't work for clients because they're, all, you know, I've had some really awesome people, and uh, but you got to get away from the people who are who are going to waste your time. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um 
Well, all this is great advice. I think the where it really a lot of this comes back to is like that whole like you know the question of like what you know what do you really want? Do you, do you want the freedom yep. more, or do you want to have really high paying clients? Do you want a mix of both? Do you want to end up in your own business? Like um, and then getting out there and doing it, like sort of you know not just listening to a podcast like this, but going out and getting some clients and making mistakes because you'll get some bad clients and you'll probably you'll do some of the things that we mentioned here that you shouldn't do, and that's okay. You get some bad clients, yeah. and you can either fire them, or you can finish the project, and and then get you know, and then just don't take any more clients like them. But it's uh, you've got to get in that ring. Yeah, I think one thing I would I would recommend, and this is something that has applied in a few few different fields that I've been, is uh, I would try to stay away. Now you now you said earlier that there's something you know some people have parlayed free work into you know some very successful things happening to them, and that is true. But on the whole, from what I have seen and experienced, I would say that the people who are attempting to get you free work or are promising some sort of percentage of the the outcome, let's say, that can get you into real trouble because that percentage, you know, royalties and stuff all, all fall into that. Uh, if, you may not even be at that level where you're thinking about that kind of stuff. But if someone's approaching with the kind of deal, I'd be very cautious unless it was somebody who is really checks out, you know, because I have been burned myself on, on things like that. And I know a lot of the name copywriters, a lot of the best people in the world at this have been burned. I remember Gary Halbert and some of his things saying, like, you're never going to see the royalties, you know. So just be careful. You know, you can always uh, you can always say no. If you're if you're unsure about it, I mean, usually people's I think your your gut instinct is always sort of comes into play here. I know the times that I got burned, I I, I knew it probably ahead of time, and I didn't just didn't act because I wanted uh, wanted to do it, or I thought I was you know this would be another notch on the belt or whatever you want to say. So just keep just keep all that kind of stuff in mind from people before you. If you listen to other copywriters and stuff like that, they have a lot of these type of stories. So uh, and a lot of success stories too. So you gotta. Just keep it in mind that, that these things can happen to you and be careful what you get involved with because almost the worst thing you get involved with is something that eats up your time, doesn't pay you very well, and makes you miserable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's wrap it up there. That's a good note Sounds to good. finish on. Uh, we'll get the notes and well, the links in the, be in the show notes at themcmethod.com. If people want to look you up and talk to you, it's uh, Make Words Pay. Is that it? That's it. MakeWordsPay.com. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks for coming on the show once again, and I'll see you next time. Thank you, John. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Oh,